and this is running back Steve McShane. Welcome to XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com broadcast. Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 36th episode. While the XFL exists in name only, the new ownership group of Danny Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Redbird Capital have decided to pause their plan to kick off in spring 2022. Instead, the league has entered into talks with the Canadian Football League with hopes of a merger and creating a new international football league. While many challenges in such a merger are obvious, the merger talks are tight-lipped, and players, coaches, and fans await any news of the outcome. In this episode, you will hear two interviews. First, I will speak to Steve McShane, a Houston Roughnecks running back I first planned to interview in the weeks leading up to the XFL 2020 season, until he was injured. With the complication of the injury, we cancelled his appearance on this podcast with the thought that we would do it later. Of course, Steve is completely rehabbed now, stronger and faster than ever, and he is here to talk about his plan to capitalize on his next football opportunity. In the second interview, I will speak to TSN journalist Dave Naylor. Dave bills himself as a football insider and he feels he has decoded the clues that point to the underpinning of the merger of the XFL and CFL, and that is being a desire to build an international league. Plus, we will talk about a very contentious subject. Will the new league play three-down or four-down football? The truth is we don't know the answer, but Dave has a theory that makes some sense. And The Rock? Is his star power a thing that made the CFL take notice of a merger proposal? Or simply, does the CFL need this deal to thrive? We cover a lot in our interview. I call this episode, Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match. It's about a great running back who is waiting to be matched with a football opportunity. And two football leagues who are doing a courting dance in the hope of a long-lasting and profitable union. Are you ready? As usual, we won't waste any time. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome running back Steve McShane to the podcast. Welcome, Steve. Hello, hello. How are we doing? (laughs) Oh, we're doing great. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Now, um, going back, you were signed by the Houston Roughnecks in the first week of January 2020, weren't you? Yes, sir. And, And I got a hold of you right away, and I wanted to interview you right then and talk to you about your opportunity to play football with the Roughnecks, and we were going to get together and talk way back then, but you suddenly got injured, and that derailed many things, didn't it? Yeah, it, it derailed things, but, you know, it's, it's a process, and, you know, all things happen for a reason, so, you know, I had to just happen to go through it at the time, and, 
you know, I'm standing up and a lot stronger and, and recovering well, and I'm moving on and looking forward. Well, that's, you know, that's great. I, I knew you were going to say that because I know you got a great attitude, and I'll tell you why I know that in a, in a second. But uh, you, you've been a footballer for a while. Now, you played football. You grew up in the city of Freeport in northwestern Illinois, and you played football for the high school team? Yes, sir. I played football, baseball, and then um, junior and senior, I ran a little bit of indoor track. So you've always been a multi-sport athlete, haven't you? Yes, sir. Played two sports in college too. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've, I've I've read that. Now you come from a sporting family, right? You've got many siblings that are also involved in sports, right? Oh yeah, my oldest brother he started playing football back in what like two thousand two, and then ever since then, all of us looked up to him. And uh, right now, as I speak, it's two of my brothers are in college playing college football. One is at Northern Iowa. And one is at St. Xavier University. Actually, Vance at St. Xavier University is like one of the best players in the country all purpose right now. I think he has like 13, 1400 yards in like seven games. So he's doing really well. And Dion, his, you know, everybody knows about his career. Uh, he was a, a All American track runner. And he was ESPN top 10 2019 at Northern Iowa. So he has a good career going on himself, too. Yeah, it's quite quite the talent, the sporting talent you have in your family. It's your parents must be proud of all your, of all of you and your brothers as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just you know let go and let God, and we just move on and keep going, fighting strong. Well, I guess that's the point. Uh, you guys are all runners, right? You're all athletes, and you can run. So that's what you do is you run, don't you? Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Now, you uh, pointed out you went to Western Illinois University. Uh, that's located in Macomb, uh, Illinois, isn't it? Yep, yep, Macomb, Illinois. And yes, you sir. were uh, well-known as a two-sport star playing both baseball and football for the Leathernecks, right? Yes, sir. Played all four years. Didn't really start in baseball. Well, I started uh, my... Freshman year, I didn't really start in football. Baseball, I was back and forth starting. I really didn't get a starting role with both sports until my sophomore year. So, Yes, you had to build up to it. I, I think the stats I read is that in your senior year uh, as in baseball, you started in 38 of the team's 53 games, uh, hitting yeah. 239 with 24 runs scored and 15 RBIs, adding 10 doubles, and... Nine stolen bases. I guess that was one of your fortes, was to be able to steal a base, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a runner, so I'm definitely going to run when I get the opportunity. That year, actually, I ended up, you know, I wouldn't say quitting the team, but I had to, you know, stop because I got sent to uh, Pittsburgh for the minicamp invite. That was in, what, like May or something like that. So I gave myself some time to, you know, get ready for the mini camp, and I stopped playing baseball for a couple weeks. It was probably like a month. Right, because the football mini camp, we interrupted the the baseball season. Oh, I, get, I see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so when Pittsburgh invited you to a mini camp, that kind of uh, must have set your sights on a football career, I guess. That's exactly what it did. You know, at the moment, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going, you know, I can take, it, take my uh, talents to football. 
And then, you know, I, they ended up signing me. So I was like, well, should I go back and play baseball or should I not? And I was like, well, I, I think, you know, I get picked up by another NFL team by the time, you know, the end of the summer hit. So I was like, let's just go ahead and get ready for football. So you went to the Pittsburgh Steelers minicamp in uh, 2019 in May. And uh, afterwards, wh- when did you realize the XFL was interested in you? <laughs> I didn't realize the XFL was interested in me until December. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was out of nowhere. I got a call from uh, uh, Randy Mueller. Yeah, Randy Mueller, Randy exactly, Mueller. yeah. Yeah, he called me and was like, well, we got a contract here for you. What you trying to do? And I was like, wait, what? I, I come come to figure, I'm like, Randy Mueller, Randy Mueller. And I heard that he was the one that ended up getting Austin Eckler into the Chargers. And yeah. I was like, hmm. Yeah. I said, that's very interesting. I'm like, yeah, I'm all aboard. Especially with XFL as a new thing. So it had a lot of hype. And I'm like, yeah, I'm with it. At the time, I wasn't on an NFL team. I was like, I can take any opportunity right now. I can. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Randy Mueller called you. Now, I personally, I wondered what the story was and and why you were suddenly brought in at the last minute because you were brought in right when their training camp started. And uh, so I I actually asked Randy Mueller. I asked him. So why did you pick Steve McShane? Why did you bring Steve McShane in? And he was quite. Uh, open with me and told me exactly why he brought you in. He says he said Steve McShane fit our one back spread offensive scheme very sudden and makes defenders miss and a good root runner. So I guess they liked you. They thought you would fit in well with the Roughnecks. And he also pointed out you have good body control and hands to play in the slot as well. And he called you a great kid with great competitive spirit. You had a good chance to perform as a as a returner as well for them. So that's that's what Randy Mueller said about you. He still remembers you, and he still uh, he still thinks you were the guy that, that they, they needed in the in the in the team. Yes, sir. And that's that's pretty much what I wanted to do too. I just wanted to be a contributor, and you know, going and playing ball for any organization you want to win. So that was my big thing going there, just become a champion. At the end of the day, my, everybody in my family, we all say, hey, we all champions. So that's what we shoot for. Well, exactly. And, uh, I mean, that's that's your competitive spirit right there, uh, something that he referred to. Now, two days into Roughnecks training camp, you were injured. Uh, and two days after that, you had a surgery. So bad luck uh, is actually part of the game, isn't it? Yes, sir. I mean, it, Go, you go and look and you see all these players getting injured and you're like, man, I just really hope it don't happen to me. And then out of nowhere, boom, I didn't even get touched. <laughs> it was a you know, regular bag drill. I didn't get touched. And I'm like, dang, well, this is where it is. And, you know, it's just more adversity in my life that I got have to overcome. And, you know, big deal for me. It's just, you know, giving me more time to think about what's next. And, Get the opportunity to do that, and I'm going to shoot for higher height. So it, it becomes a learning. It's a learning experience in some ways uh, for you, or at least an experience in, in, in uh, that you can uh, use for future opportunities, right? Yes, sir. 
So you you stayed on the XFL injured reserve list for the remainder of the season, and then of course the season was cut in the middle, anyway. So, but you're all rehab now, right? Yeah, I'm all done with rehab now. I'm basically back to 100. percent I'm ready to go. Um, actually, I'm going to uh, Exos Exos training in a week and a half, April 18th. Yeah, I'll be out there for a week or so. I don't know how long exactly I'm going to stay out there, but I'm going out there to get some more experience and, you know, see if I can get some more exposure out there. So where does that run? It's multiple spots around around the uh, U.S., but I, I just know the one in Phoenix. My agent, he's the one that set it up for me. So you're off to Phoenix then for a, some individual training camp or for a professional training camp? Yes, sir. And that'll be a couple weeks in Phoenix? Is that what you expect? Yeah. Well, I hope that gives you uh, an opportunity because I, I do know that at those type of events, uh, you will have coaches and uh, some recruiters that will be possibly there watching you or, or at least monitoring you or seeing how you're doing, right? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. I, I hear there's a lot of people there a lot, all the time. So, you know, I'm assuming I can go out there and get some good looks. You know, I'm back to back to speed, and I can move around good now. So actually, I might be a little a little quicker than what I was. Uh, you had an injury in the past where you said you were quicker after the rehab. Was it, is that how you feel? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was never really a big injury back in the day. It was probably you know like the regular like muscle pulls or yeah. you know a sprained yeah. ankle or something. You know, I haven't had a really major injury ever to put me out for a year, but. Yeah, anytime I did have an injury, I come back stronger because, you know, you want to get back, and then all of a sudden you're like, dang, it's come back stronger than what it was. That's cool. With a good opportunity with the XFL that was actually taken away, even by chance, uh, you must be chomping at the bit for your next opportunity. You know, I'm just, you know, I just be patient, honestly. I was patient with the XFL, and I, I did want an NFL team call me or XFL, but, you know, that my opportunity started there. And honestly, I still think the XFL started my pro career. I mean, it, it did, but, you know, I think it's going to make me go higher for sure. Well, you always have to remember, Steve, that the XFL was interested in you for a reason, and I, I believe that reason still exists. So, um, of course, the XFL is not playing now because of uh, coronavirus mainly, but... And the other leagues, other leagues are not playing because of the same reason. But I think that they're hopefully they get started soon, and and the NFL starts recruiting again soon, and maybe your opportunity is right around the corner. Right. I think I feel like everything is about to start. You know, you never know with this interview, it might be putting putting myself out there a little more. But I, I feel like you know everything is about to start up once I get out to Phoenix and you know get moving around again. Yeah, good idea. You know, let's get this interview. Let's get some publicity out for you because you're a fantastic football player. You've got a great attitude. You just need a field to uh, get onto and prove yourself, right? Yes, sir. I'm trying to do as best as I can. I want to be a champion. That's all I want to be, you know. That's all. You know, Steve, I wish you all the best. And I know that fans everywhere hope to see you on a football field real soon. Now, they can follow you online on Twitter at Steve underscore McShane5 or on Instagram at Steve McShane5, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, I ask people to give you a follow, 
check you out and follow you and see how your career is going and watch you as you get another football opportunity and we can cheer you on. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. I'd like to welcome Dave Naylor, TSN Football Insider, to the podcast. Welcome, Dave. My pleasure. Good to be here. You've been writing about the uh, CFL-XFL merger, and I just read an article, uh, a really great article that you wrote, where you say the XFL and CFL leadership share the similar vision of a global professional football league. Now, what are the clues that this is the real vision behind this merger? Well, if you start with Randy Ambrosi, uh, the commissioner of the CFL. You know, nothing has defined his commissionership thus far like his interest in uh, what global the globalization of football, the international markets. Um, you know, he's gone about it by creating relationships with different football federations in Europe, in Mexico. They held a combine and a draft in Mexico. You know, two years ago, they've introduced global players to the league. You know, and and kind of missing from all this has been like. How do you how do you make money doing this? How does this turn into putting the league onto a better financial footing? As long as you have you know a 19 league of franchises in Canada, and I think that's always been the mystery for a lot of people. And then on the other side of it, you know, you have the XFL people who, I mean, they haven't told us a lot of details of what they're thinking here, but you know, Danny Garcia as co-owner of the XFL, she did say the day that these talks were were announced formally, and I had a chance to interview her that you know the leagues. The CFL's international relationships were part of what drew the XFL to the table, uh, and you know she was she was pretty detailed about that in terms of you know that being one of the things that, that really attracted them to this. And look, I know this is a small thing, but look at the emoji she tweeted out that day. It had a Canadian flag, a U.S. flag, and the globe. You know, so that's kind of ind- indicative of where they're thinking. And you know, when you look at the involvement of of the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, I mean, his his brand is global. It's not just North America. Um, you know, you look at Redbird Capital, which is also co-owner of the XFL. They own an interest in two European soccer teams. They bought a 30% stake in a company called Wasserman Media back in January, which is basically an international sports agency. So, you know, you, you look at all the, these, the, the parties that are at the table right now. They all either have, you know, a background in international business or they have an interest in taking the game internationally. So I, I think that's a common ground and, and a place where, you know, that, that where the two sides at least can say, you know, we have this idea and the other side has the same idea. And, you know, through this collaboration, can we, can we advance this idea? Football is a, is an emerging sport around the world. I mean, compared to a generation ago, it's a much bigger deal in places like Europe and Mexico and even Japan than it was 20, 25 years ago. You know, the NFL is trying to take advantage of some of that, and I think the CFL-XFL partnership is going to try to do uh, similar in term, a different way, but, but the same motivation, try to take advantage of uh, you know, the emerging markets for the sport of football. Now, I've been wondering whether the, the CFL needs the XFL to survive or vice versa, and I'm wondering maybe the story is that the, both those leagues need the other to thrive, not just survive. Well, I think to me, the CFL is at a fork in the road where it needs to get either become either a smaller league or a bigger league. You know, I think a nine team league with the the budgets and the salaries and the staffs and the numbers of players that they have right now, you know, may not be an option. You know, I I think if you're talking about keeping the CFL Canadian, 
you're talking about smaller budgets, smaller coaching staffs, smaller rosters, smaller everything, and maybe smaller numbers of teams. You know, we don't know. Uh, that's speculative, but I, I wouldn't assume necessarily that nine teams based in Canada, if that's the, you know, the traditional business model, are going to come through this. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, the XFL obviously would be an opportunity for the CFL if they partnered with them to, to be part of a much bigger league. You know, uh, if you think of international beyond that, that's even, even a bigger league. Um, so, you know, that's where I think it comes. I, I don't know if the CFL needs the XFL to survive, but I think they need it if they want to keep growing and get bigger. Um, and the XFL, I mean, it's really, it's hard because the ownership of the XFL right now is not the ownership of the XFL the last time they played, right? They played for five weeks. They got shut down by the pandemic. They were doing decently on television, ratings-wise, compared to other properties, although their ratings were still going down week after week. And ultimately, you know, you want to see them growing up as your season goes along, not down. Uh, and there's enough failures and holes in the business model for spring football in the United States that, you know, you can see why they need to try something different maybe. I don't know I, I don't know where adding nine teams in Canada gets them. I mean, it, it you know, it increases your the size of your league. It it adds, you know, established markets and modern stadiums and, and maybe not on a too small a detail, it adds um it adds a component that makes you more attractive to sports betting. I mean it's it's hard to be an attractive vehicle for sports betting if you've got eight or nine teams. You know, if you've got nineteen or twenty now you're talking about a different kind of possibility. And I do think that as we emerge into a world where you're going to have legalized sports betting, both the United States and Canada, you know, a new league would want to position itself to be attractive for that. Well, certainly with sports betting involved, there's a larger market of uh, potential bettors in the United States than there is in Canada, for sure. Now, one of the things that the fans are really stuck on is the rules. Now, so what rules will this merged league uh, use will it use for example will it use three downs or four downs and then like i said fans are really stuck on that aren't they yeah i mean i think there are two very very emotional issues for fans when you talk with the due to the cfl one is are you going to play three downs or four and the other is are you going to have you know 20 canadians on every roster those are the ones that get people riled up um you know on the topic of three downs or four downs look i i, I no one has said anything to me about which this league is going to be but the speculation and the, the sort of suggestions I hear are that it would be a four down lead. And, and it has to do with, you know, a couple of reasons. One is, uh, you know, if you're merging with the U S we know everybody in the U S prefers four down football. Um, that's what they know. It's what they like. Uh, there's a significant number of people in Canada that prefer four down football, you know? Um, so you've got, you've got a split in Canada of what people like, and you've got sort of unanimity in the United States. And, the, and I guess the other thing is that, if you are going to take this league international, the global game is four downs, right? That, so if, if that's what you're trying to do to take this league ultimately to Germany and Mexico, that's what they play there. So, I mean, I think logic would tell you there's a greater likelihood that it would be a four down game, but I, I have no knowledge of that being decided or determined and no one's told me that. And I, and I know that's going to be a hard one for people to swallow. Uh, I would expect that if they create a new game, that it will have elements of both Canadian football and American football. But, you know, you got to go three downs or four downs. You can't go three and a half. Uh, you know, I, I, my, my expectation is that it would be four. And you can't go three downs when the game is played in Canada and four downs when the game is played in the United States. I, I, I've heard this idea that you could play, you know, different rules in different places. I, I, look, I, I think it's 
far more drastic than, you know, the designated hitter versus the pitcher. I mean, three well, downs course, or four yeah. downs. You're, you're talking about, um, you know, totally different strategies and yeah, totally different, in some cases, different types of players that you would need for that game. So I, I cannot see, you know, a, a world where, you know, they're playing three downs in Canada and four downs in the U.S. as part of an integrated league. Yeah, the other thing I saw was uh, the thought that the uh, uh, combined league could play a spring-summer uh, season, uh, which, of course, in Canada, the Labor Day is really the beginning of the football season in Canadian football, isn't it? Well, I've heard that said, but I don't know if I believe it. You know, um, a lot of times I think teams do better in the summer than they do in the fall. I mean, and there's a sense that kind of because six and nine teams make the playoffs that the real season kind of starts at Labor Day. But, you know, you talk to the coaches, and the general managers about how important it is to, to win in the first half of the season. They'll tell you it's pretty important. So I, I've, I've never necessarily bought into that. I, look, I think, you know, that's the other major disruption that this process could begin. Like we could see a CFL season that begins in March or, or I don't think CFL, but a merged league season that begins in March or April and wraps up in early September. I mean, that's dramatically different than, and it's, you know, you're basically filling the calendar when the national football league isn't playing. Uh, you know, it takes you out of competition with them, uh, puts you into a place that again is not when people are used to following football and there's no proven history of success of spring football. Uh, but I think that's something that is likely to happen. I, I can't see this league playing opposite the NFL. Uh, I can't see them playing in February you know, in Regina. So, you know, if you, if you use logic, it kind of tells you that we're talking late March, April, probably till early September are the, are the parameters of when you'd have to play. I mean, the great cup, you know, on labor day for, I don't, I don't know. I'm, and I don't know if it's going to be the great cup that the championship in this league, but you know, you're, you're probably talking about something, you know, that radically different if, if you're going to combine these two leagues. I think if you were to retire the great cup, I think, they're Canadians, some Canadians, you'd find them on a bridge somewhere, waiting, you know, ready to jump. Uh, it's that uh, iconic to Canada, isn't it? Uh, and I joke about that, it by is. the way. Yeah, no, it's 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 another one. There, look, there are a number of these issues that bring forward a lot of emotion, and the Grey Cup is another. Oh, for sure. Now, the other, the one thing I also, uh, it's been talked about is the team ownership. Now. Uh, CFL has individual team ownership, and the XFL mm -hmm. has the, the league owns all the teams. Now, how, mm -hmm. how do you think that'll work? Will they maybe the uh, will the XFL become individually owned the teams? Yeah, I, I don't know, and it, it's really a purely speculative guess on my part. Um, I, I don't know that that's the way the XFL wants to go. Um, I think the trend in sports is more towards sort of central controlled. Um, ownership or management. And, you know, I, I flashed back to about 15 years ago, an owner that was exiting the Canadian Football League as an owner and had, had lost a lot of money, uh, you know, said to me that he thought he was convinced that the ownership model that made sense for the CFL was single entity, that, that having nine different owners didn't make sense in this league because you're always going to have somebody who's losing money. Uh, and the league, you know, you're going you're gonna to have teams that always make money and teams that don't, and it just doesn't make sense for those that don't. There's not very much shared revenue. So, I, you know, I think you may be moving more in that direction in a, in a new league than in the opposite direction, you know, more of the shared pool of revenues. I mean, I've even said, I don't know if I've said it anywhere out loud, but I'll say it now, like could you have a situation where, you know, if you combine nine XFL teams with nine CFL teams and create a new league, that every one of them owns, you know, 5.555% of the whole. 
Now that might be, you know, a, a business model that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and you could still operate your teams independently, but you know, at the end of the day, if the league made money, everybody shares in that. If the league loses money, everybody shares in that. You don't have winners and losers financially at the end of every year, which is the problem in the CFL right now. So yeah, I, it, look, it's completely speculative, speculative, everything I've said here. I have no knowledge about, you know, how ownership might work, but those are just some of the possibilities. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, laying out some of the, what your thoughts are on this, and I realize that that none of us are in on the conversation that's taken place. Uh, I could tell you from my XFL point of view, their their head office is quite tight lipped on on what they're talking about. Yeah, and I would think there's probably non disclosure agreements signed in all directions on this, and I know there's frustration of fans and why they know that. But this is you know mergers and acquisitions. Usually, the first thing people do is sign non disclosure agreements. Right, and I, it's right. as hard for me to get information as it is anybody else. Right. Well, exactly. So uh, one other thing that uh, that you talked about in a recent article is how the XFL has always said they're not a developmental league for the NFL. And the right. CFL has never acknowledged they were in a developmental league either. Right. Uh, so I understand you see this continuing. Yeah, look, I think there's a fundamental difference when you have a football league that is a developmental league or any league that, that's mission is development, right? Because you're basically working for somebody else. You know, the goal of the league is to develop players for another league as opposed to the goal. And let's use the Canadian Football League as an example right now. You know, what's the goal of every team at the start of the year? Win as many games as you can in the regular season and then try to win a great cup. That's the sole purpose of the league. It's not, you know, there may be players that are using the league to try to better themselves or expose themselves when they get to the National Football League. But there's no, there's no skewing of the mandate here about what a CFL team is trying to do. Uh, one of the problems, I think, when you had, you look at you know, just Europe as an example, when you had NFL Europe or the World League of American Football, I mean, those are essentially development leagues for the NFL. And I just think that makes a big, big difference kind of in the psychology of, of the league, the psychology of the fans, the psychology of the coaches, everything is different. Because you're, you know, it's a, it's a reason that people don't get fired up about AAA baseball. It's nice to go to the park and watch a game, but everybody knows the mission of a AAA baseball team is to develop players for the major league team, not to win the most games they can. That's the first priority. So, no, I, I, I think you have to, you have to create a way that players who are good enough can move on from your league to the NFL because that's what they're going to want to do. They're going to play in the best league they possibly can. But we see leagues, I mean, in soccer, which. It's not my area of expertise, but I mean, you have all the time, you know, players that are moving on up to higher leagues and yet the leagues that they came from are very, you know, successful and flourishing because they're not true development leagues, uh, you know, in the, in a way that it would allow fans to say, well, why am I invested in this? If my team isn't even invested in winning a championship, they're invested in trying to just develop players for somebody else. So with the players that uh, are currently playing in the CFL and the, the formerly the XFL, it has always been a, a point that, the, these leagues are good for players. It gives them a job, gives them an opportunity to play. Yep. Uh, and the same with coaches. Uh, coaches gives them an opportunity to coach, uh, have a job, essentially. So sure. what with a, with a merger, will those opportunities increase? Do you think we'll see more opportunities for players and coaches, people like that? Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about right now you've got, you know, a nine-team league um, that is that is kind of on hold and an eight and an 18 league that you know doesn't have any players or coaches right now. But you know, I, I think when you, if you, you know, if you believe that having opportunities for professional football 
you know, can come from this. And, and look, I thought if, if this league, if this idea works, right. And if you follow it along, even to the internationals, it's going to, it's going to create opportunities for American players. It's going to create opportunities for Canadian players. We don't know to what degree because, you know, the ratio may be affected. I don't think it's going to be eliminated, but I think it would be affected. Uh, I think it's going to create more opportunities for global players, you know, and, and coaching staffs and all that. So, you know, more football creates more jobs, more possibilities, all those kinds of things, right? And, and as we know, and this is one of the reasons that everybody's always trying another football league, is there are more good players available to play football than there are jobs for them, right? The National Football League, as big as it is, takes a small fraction of the players that come out of U.S. college football or college football around the world. So you've got a surplus of skilled talent that is willing to work, historically has shown it's willing to work for much, much less than NFL wages. And that's why people always come back to alternative football. Yeah, exactly. Now, this the CFL has a players association, CFLPA, and the XFL did not have any sort of players union. So that must be part of the merger talks is how will that play into it and will there be a a players association for the the new league or not? Yeah, and and I think, you know, the term merger, and I've thrown it around as well, I'm not sure that in legal terms is actually what comes out of this may be a merger. It may be more the creation of a new league. You know, not, not, I mean, it may look like a merger and walk like a merger and talk like a merger, but I don't know if in actual legal terms it will be a merger because it would probably be harder to handle issues like the one you just brought up in a, in a formal merger. I don't know. But I, you know, I there's a, the fact that there's a history of player representation, you know, in this league uh, would suggest to me that that's probably something that, that would, the players that have certainly played the CFL would want. It, again, it's, it's it's a hard one to, to wrap my head around because the XFL, of course, was hardly around long enough to really judge how that works. You know, having players without representation, you would think that, you know, by the time that league was two or three years old, that the players would say, hey, you know, we have some issues that we'd like to have a CBA and we'd like to, you know, collectively bargain our rights. Um, so I, w- I would think that that would be part of a new league, whether it would be part of a new league on day number one. You know, I, I don't know if it was not part of the XFL. But I think having players properly represented through collective bargaining is, you know, there's a reason that it happens in all leagues. And I would expect that that would be part of, you know, whatever new league might emerge out of this. Yeah, I would I would think so, too. I would agree with you. You know, there was so, so a lot of problems that came about after the AAF folded. And again, after the XFL had to shut down. Uh, where some players were felt they weren't looked after appropriately, especially was in relation to medical issues, and that occurred with sure. the AAF uh, more so. When it comes to players, you know, you always always wonder how this is going to affect them and how they're going to be looked after. So I, I appreciate your answer on that. Now I have one more question for you. Now yep. uh, I grew up uh, in Winnipeg, about two or three blocks away from where Randy Ambrosi grew up. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we're just good old boys from Winnipeg, right? Well, when someone like Dwayne Johnson comes knocking, does his star power influence the CFL's decision, do you think? Well, I don't think it's his star power, right? I, I think it's the fact that he has the ability, you know, to, well, he has, he, first of all, let's look at all the things that Dwayne Johnson brings to the table, potentially, okay? Um, he has a brief history in the Canadian Football League, for whatever that is worth. He, he was here. He, he understands it probably just from that experience. Uh, two, he, his father is Canadian. You know, his father's from Nova Scotia. You know, he has a bit of a history in this country, authentically. Uh, three, he's one of the most recognizable people on the planet who, through social media presence, can buy or can provide exposure that 
a league like the Canadian Football League or even a startup league might not be able to afford otherwise. Um, and, and I think he's also got a strong cool factor, which probably, you know, the Canadian Football League is attracted to because in different markets it has varying degrees of coolness, shall we say. So I, I think all those things, you know, I, I don't know if it's the star power so much. I think it's more, you know, the proven success in sport and entertainment that he and Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital bring. You know, I don't think it's just, well, you know, we've got a movie star here or a wrestling star who wants to lend his name to the game. I think that's part of it, but I think it's really sort of the, the larger business and the partners that he brings to the table that is, that is more to the point. Like I'm sure that, you know, even Randy and Brosie and other people senior in the CFL, the first time they got onto a Zoom call with him and started talking business, I'm sure there was like a bit of a wow factor in it. But I, I don't think they're, you know, so seduced by his celebrity that that alone is what's driving this. Yeah, I, you know, but I have to ask the question. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, I got it. Because, no, I mean, no when, you, when you look at the CFL and, and its uh, uh, and its history of uh, of uh, relations with celebrities, I mean, I guess the best we ever had was John Candy on the sidelines with the Argos, right? Yeah, no, we, we had that, and, and they brought a lot of their Hollywood friends to games, right? And it created buzz and that. And, you know, and I, I, I think... You, thing is you always want to be able to create something that's sustainable right um you know and and people are i, I know there's been stories of people saying well why doesn't drake lend his name to the Argos?" and things like, that. like you gotta understand that if, if if the rock is going to lend his image and his name and his social media presence to this league it's not going to be out of charity it's not going to be as a favor to somebody it's going to be because he wants to try to create value out of something that he owns i mean he's a co-owner of the xfl right so if, if presumably he's going to be a co-owner of, of, of have some stake in this, in a new league, if he lends his name and his image and his voice to that league to boost its profile, that's going to boost its value. And he's a, he's a stakeholder. It, it's, you know, it, it's not selfless. It's not altruism. It's not charity. So that's, you know, I think it's important to understand that distinction as opposed to saying, well, why don't we get, you know, this movie star or that movie star to lend their name to the league or this singer, or that singer. I mean, that's, that to me feels like, you know, an idea with people with their hand out. And, and we've done enough of that in this league. Well, that's a very good point. And, you know, The Rock is all about marketing, uh, marketing himself, marketing his sports drink, marketing his tequila. And uh, it's all done for a reason. And, of course, uh, uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about business, right? And I think that's that's kind of, you know, that's where – the Canadian football league has arrived here, right? Like it has survived for a long time. Um, you know, not always taking care of the business aspect because people love it and owners have been willing to lose money doing it. Um, but we've hit that point where, you know, we've we got to create some value for people and we've got to make it a business sound proposition. Exactly. I think you're absolutely right about that. Well, thanks Dave. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure. Um, you know, it's, it's, as I say at the end of a lot of the interview, these interviews I do, you know, the people who, who love this idea are, are, you know, advocating for it because they think it might keep nine franchises alive to thrive in Canada. The people who hate this idea are arguing against it because they think it might keep nine teams alive to thrive in Canada. But it, it's, it's just good to see the passion, you know, spilling out from everybody about whatever they believe the best interests are for Canadian football. Yeah, it's all about the passion. You're right about that. Uh, thanks, Dave. Now, people can follow you on Twitter at TSN Dave Naylor, or people can read your articles on tsn.ca. Terrific.
Thanks again to my guests, Steve McShane and Dave Naylor. I wish everyone and their families good health and well-being, and I wish the world a healthy COVID recovery and the eventual return of football fields filled with fans. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You are welcome to come back next time, where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson, and I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.